I'm uh, grateful to be able to continue Dr. Michelle's wonderful series uh, for our Adventures in Prosperity program, uh, Infinite Flow. And this morning's message is moving against the flow. Uh, And to help me begin, three of our graduates are going to share a reading called Letting Go from Richard Bach's wonderful book, um, Illusion. So please welcome Brianna, Camilla, and Reed. Once, there lived a village of creatures along the bottom of a great crystal river. The current of the river swept silently over them all, young and old, rich and poor, good and evil, the current going its own way, knowing its own crystal self. Each creature, in its own manner, clung tightly to the twigs and rocks of the river bottom, for clinging was their way of life, and resisting the current was what each had learned from birth. But one creature said at last, I am tired of clinging. Though I cannot see it with my eyes, I trust that the current knows where it is going. I shall let go and let it take me where it will. Clinging, I shall die of boredom. The other creatures laughed and said, Fool, let go, and that current you worship will throw you tumbled and smashed against the rocks, and you will die quicker than boredom. But the one heeded them not, and taking a breath, did let go, and at once was tumbled and smashed by the current against the rocks. Yet in time, as the creature refused to cling again, the current lifted him free from the bottom, and he was bruised and hurt no more. And the creatures downstream, to whom he was a stranger, cried, See a miracle, a creature like ourselves, yet he flies. See the Messiah come to save us all. And the one carried in the current said, I am no more Messiah than you. The river delights to lift us free, if only we dare let go. Our true work is this voyage, this adventure. But they cried the more, Savior, all the while clinging to the rocks. And when they looked again, he was gone. And they were left alone, making legends of a savior. Thank you so much. Our hands are getting sore this morning from uh, all the applause. I love that story for so many different reasons, and it presents the proposition that there are two types of people. There are the rock and twig clingers, and there are the releasers, those that let go. The rock and twig clutchers, They're the ones who are usually critics outside of the arena of life. They value self-preservation normally more than anything, and they have a general distrust of powers greater than they are. The releasers embrace and embody adventure. They don't know where they are going, but they trust that something is taking them there, and they tend to believe that there is a power for good guiding them through the process. Now, I think if a lot of us really thought about it, we would probably come to the conclusion that most of us are both, <laughs> clingers and releasers. That there are areas in our life right now where we might be wonderfully going with the, full, with the flow, and then there might be those areas in our lives where we're clinging. Can you feel those now? Do you know where they are, where there's that challenge to let go? 
where there's that distrust and fear of letting go. I think a better way to state the proposition might be that there are those of us who believe in the infinite flow and the divine intelligence that goes with it, and those of us that that don't or that are unconscious to it. And for me, one of the most beautiful, profound teachings of our philosophy is that there is this infinite flow. There is such thing as an infinite intelligence, as a divine guidance around us all of the time. That this thing we call God or spirit is real. And when we learn not just to recognize it theoretically, but to really give into the flow, it adds a dimension to life that can take us to new heights and new levels of understanding. The Tao Te Ching, ancient book of Chinese wisdom, one of the oldest religious texts there is, says, the supreme good is like water, which nourishes all things without trying to. It is content with the low places that people disdain. Thus, it is like the Tao. In dwelling, live close to the ground. In thinking, keep to the simple. In conflict, be fair and generous. In governing, don't try to control. In work, do what you enjoy. In family life, be completely present. When you are content to be simply yourself and don't compare or compete, everybody will respect you. And the piece I want to point out is that that idea that the water, the flow, it's even at the lowest point. Even when you are at your lowest, there is a momentum available to carry you forward. And when you are in the flow, you are able to live not just among it, but it lives as you to bring about your best self. So consider those places in your life today where you're clutching, where you're stagnant, when you're unsure, where you're in distrust, where it's so challenging to let go. And consider with all of us together today that there is a divine intelligence, a divine love, a divine courage, a divine truth that is not alien from who you are to the very truth of who you are. Get into it. Step into it. Swim into it. Dance into it. Let go into it and let it reveal the higher path and the deeper truths of who you are. The message title today is Moving Against the Flow, so it has kind of a negative connotation, but I want to be fair and give some tips to begin today on how to move against the flow in your life. This one's for the clingers who don't want to let go and want to stay there. So the first surefire thing to make sure that you cling forever (laughs) is distrust. Have a huge amount of distrust, and it's so easy to distrust. Distrust in God, distrust in life and the ways of the world, distrust in others, and especially distrust in yourself. To distrust God is to not believe in this infinite flow around you. It's to think that you're here on your own. To distrust the the world and the ways of life is, 
is, is easy to do. You know, Games of Thrones only had it half right. The night is dark and full of terrors, but if you look at the news, the daytime's pretty dark and full of terrors too. Easy to distrust the world. Other people. Sometimes we wonder, why trust anybody? When we're let down, when we're insecure, when there's conflict or things aren't working out, why trust people in the first place? And then ourselves, this mess that is myself. (laughs) Or as Whitman said, so I contradict myself, I contain multitudes. (laughs) You know, if if you want to be in distrust, you have to develop what Freud called the superego. And that's that kind of parent consciousness in your own head that is your imagination of your most angry caretaker's voice shouting at you through a megaphone telling you you're doing something wrong. Don't trust yourself. Listen, shape up, get there. Make that louder and louder, and you can be in distrust as long as you want. The way to move forward in life is to trust or to be willing to do whatever it takes to build trust. That's how we move forward. So if you want to stay still and stagnant, stay in distrust. It's the surest place to make sure that no change ever happens meaningfully in your life. Second, blame. If you want to cling forever and you want to stay stagnant, blame everyone. What a wonderful spiritual principle that there's enough blame to go around. (laughs) Blame your parents, blame their parents, blame your kids, blame your spouse, blame your exes, blame yourself. Blame, 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 blame. It can keep you from taking responsibility for your life. Douglas Adams, the great writer, once said that when you blame others, you give up your power to change inspirational for those who are wanting to take responsibility and make an impactful change in their lives. But for those of us that want to stay stagnant, there's another piece of wisdom here that, yes, we can't stop change. It's going to happen eventually, but we can delay it for a long, long while by blaming others for our state of being, our state of consciousness, our state of of living. It's going to change eventually, but we can stay here for weeks, months, and perhaps even decades in the same stagnant uncertainty, and unhappiness. Lastly, if you want to stay stagnant, make sure that you make worry the creative power in your life, the central creative power. Worry about what you're going to do today. Worry about what you did yesterday and if it was the right thing. Worry about how much money you have. Uh, Worry, 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 get, get, get caught up in it. And, and you, you might see, you know, if you get so caught up in this worry, you might eventually get to the point that even when there's nothing to worry about, it becomes a cause for concern. Because <laughs> it, it begins to drive our lives. And what you never want to do is you never want to ask yourself the question when you're in worry, what if I took all of this energy I took into worrying and anxiety and procrastinating and actually put it in to being courageous and being clear and being as decisive as possible. Wow, the difference in my life that might make, and if I want to stay stagnant, I should never do it. George Marshall, uh, a hero of mine, a great general during World War II, was the um, chief of staff of the military, so just a few logistical decisions to uh, make here or there during World War II. And he said of decision-makings, I've had to train myself never to worry about a decision once it's made. You worry before you make it, but not after. You make the best judgment you can about a problem, then forget it. If you don't, your mind is not fit to make the next decision. 
inspirational for me to make decisions and move forward. But for those of us that want to stay in worry, again, that's the key. Never accept the decision that you've made. Keep (laughs) procrastinating and you'll stay stuck right where you are. Now, I do want to move into the other side of this with some tips for moving into the flow in your life, but it is graduation Sunday today, and I want to take some time. I don't get asked to do a lot of commencement addresses, so I wanted to give some advice uh, to our high school graduates. Uh, where are they? We're over here. Here or there. They're all in teen groups, so they've all heard of this the last service. So, Stacy, I'm directing this at you, uh, our incredible youth director, but uh, this is what I want them to, to hear. I just want to share a few misconceptions that I had when I was graduating high school that have changed and evolved over time. And the first thing is we often hear when we're graduating, you have your whole life ahead of you. You have your whole life ahead of you. And, And firstly, we don't know if that's true. But secondly, what they don't tell you is that that long, slow churning of time that it takes to get to graduation, once you graduate, it starts to go a lot faster, doesn't it? Before you know it, this idea of a whole life goes by like that, and you're going, what the hell happened here? Right? So don't fall into the trap of thinking you have your whole life ahead of you, but instead, seek to experience your whole life every day. At the end of the day, stop and ask yourself, did I live a whole life today? Was I who I wanted to be? Did I spend the time telling the people I love that I love them? Did I keep to my values, my virtues, and my principles? Did I have a moment of awe? Did I have fun? When we can collect more and more of those whole life days, our life becomes a rich tapestry that actually transcends time, that captures the best of memories in our soul and allows us to live as our highest and complete being. Second misconception is that Success equals money and status. Even though they say that's not true, we tend to still learn that. And what I would want you to know is that money and status are fantastic. Accomplishments are great. Having money is great. Uh, Achieving great things is awesome. Do all of those things, but I've learned in my life that those have nothing to do with success. That success is really only about one thing, and that's quality of relationships quality of relationships. When it's all said and done, did the people I love know how much I love them? And did I open my heart enough to receive real, true, and valid love from them? Did I, even in the midst of the conflicts and the uncertainties and the tears and the grieving, the letting go and the holding on, here come our teens. Listen up, everybody, I'm talking to you. (laughs) In the midst of all that, did I honor the quality of relationship. And lastly, and this one may sound a little bit weird, but it's this idea that in order to stick out, you have to reject the ways of the world. You know, when we hit those teenage years, we want to be free. We want to be independent. We want to embrace and embody our uniqueness. But I think it's the wrong route when we see or think that what we need to do that is to reject the ways of the world. You know, build a little cabin up in the mountains and never leave, right, somewhere, and just do our own thing. And for me, that's not really being unique and independent, it's being a recluse, right? <laughs> the, 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 the trick is to recognize that in order to stick out, you have to first stick in. 
You have to recognize the ways of the world. You have to recognize the way people behave. You have to see the good and the bad of all of it and step into it, not to allow it to possess you, but to be that unique presence that you are that helps transform, uplift, and evolve it. Then you express and become that great uniqueness of who you are. Alan Watts, the great counterculture philosopher, said a couple profound things to me that I read when I was 18. And the first thing that he said is that we don't come into this world, we grow out of it. Think about that for a second. We don't come into this world, we grow out of it. What Watts is arguing is that the world produced each and every one of us for a reason. Because we have something innately in us that it needs. What he's conveying, and the second thing that I love, is that each of us has kind of a vitamin C for the world. Each of us has our own special thing. And when you can define what that vitamin C is for you, that's wonderful. But what I would say to our our young people here today is you don't have to define it because it's really just being you. It's the magnificence of boldly being who you are, of knowing with clarity of mind what you think and what you believe, and bringing that into your life. And it is through there... And through that practice that you begin to transform and uplift this world of ours that needs you so, so much. So to move back into this topic of moving with the flow, a bit of advice for us today as well. And the first point is to learn to embrace letting go, not just as an action, but as an attitude. Learn to embrace letting go, not just as an action, but as an attitude. It's a big deal when you let go of the twigs and the rocks to allow yourself to be submerged in the flow and move forward. But that's just the beginning. And even in the story that we read, the creature, he's banged up against the rocks and he's pulled under the ground. And it's up to us not just to do the letting go, but to keep the attitude and the consciousness of the letting go so that we're not clinging to things along the way because that hurts. That knocks us in the head. That slows us down when we're grabbing on to distractions, when we're grabbing on to old, worn-out ways of thinking, when we're grabbing on to low self-image, when we're grabbing back on to that distrust. If I don't trust this flow, I don't trust this flow. Keep that attitude of releasing anything that doesn't belong in your life so that flow can keep carrying you forward. Julia Cameron author of The Artist's Way, said that the creative process is a process of surrender, not of control. In the greatest creative process that there is, your life, it's a process of surrender to the flow, not of control. Ramana Maharshi, the great Indian sage, was holding satsang one day, and he said to his students, when you go onto a train, where do you put your luggage? And the students answered, in the, in the luggage compartment. Well, why don't you carry it on your lap or on your head? Well, that would be foolish. It is a hundred more times foolish, Maharshi answered, to hold on to all of your burdens when the Lord is there to carry them with you. The idea being that there's no greater misconception that when we're down, when we're challenged, when life is rough, to think that we are alone in that pain, to think that we have to carry that burden by ourselves, 
the wonder of the flow, as wild as it can be, is that it can carry those burdens with us so they are not ours to have to carry alone. And that flow, that innate wisdom, if we can learn to trust it and go with it, can help us move through those burdens and into a greater degree of freedom and of livingness. Second is don't forget that you can always be a blessing, that no matter what in your life, you can be a blessing. Eric Butterworth, who wrote Spiritual Economics, my favorite prosperity book, uh, he says something quite profound. He uses the word giving other than blessing, but he says it this way. When you begin to understand this life principle, you will know that there is a wellspring of life, substance, and intelligence within you, and that yours is the privilege at any time of giving way to its flow. This may lead to one of the most important realizations that will ever come to you, If ever there is a lack of any kind, whether it is a need for employment or for money or for guidance or even for healing, something is blocking the flow. And the most effective remedy? Give. You may be thinking, but I need to receive. My hands are empty. I need someone to give to me. But you see, under the law of giving, when things get tight, something's got to give. Look for some way to start the giving flow. When you're not feeling blessed be a blessing. When you are feeling blessed, be a blessing. When you think you need to receive a blessing, be a blessing. It could be as simple as letting someone in during traffic, kind compliment to your barista, putting your own issues aside to be fully present to someone you love and care about. You are a blessing. And when we choose to be one, just to be open, it begins to get that flow, that momentum, within the water's flow, going and moving again. And it can carry you forward into a greater consciousness of blessing and receptivity to those blessings in your life. Lastly, this one's a little weird too. (laughs) Learn to use space to reveal what is unknown to you at this time to reveal what can be known. It's a funny thing how we experience this life. We're so focused on material and not focused enough on space. We're so focused on material, but not enough on space. We're so focused on the words that we sometimes miss the space between those words. We're so focused on the music that we forget the little bit of space and silence in those notes. We're so focused on the loudness of our minds that we learn not to feel safe enough to be in the quiet. And it is in this space, in this openness, that that innate sense of inner wisdom, that delight of divine guidance, just that simple, primordial, kinesthetic knowing that we are surrounded by that divine flow comes into us and fills us with a deeper kind of knowing that's beyond intellectualism, but that is the very gift of being itself, the thing I would argue most of us are longing for more than anything else, just a more intimate experience of being ourselves and alive, and if we could just do that, the self we need to move forward in our lives would be revealed to us. One more quote from the Tao Te Ching. 
We join spoiks, spoiks. We join. It's a tongue twister. We join spokes together in a wheel, but it is the center hole that makes the wagon move. We shape clay into a pot, but it is the emptiness inside that holds whatever we want. We hammer word for wood for a house, but it is the inner space that makes it livable. We work with being, but non-being is what we use. Think about that. Non-being is what we use. See, it's a little weird. But that's how the flow reveals itself to us. It's more than just something we think ourselves into. It's an act of heart. It's an act of transformation. And you don't have to know everything there is to know about this flow to allow it to move through you and forward in your life. Ernest Holmes once had a friend, our founder Ernest Holmes once had a friend who had met Thomas Edison, and she asked him, sir, what is electricity? And Edison said, madame, electricity is, use it. The idea that Holmes wanted to express is even Thomas Edison didn't know what electricity is. We don't have to define what God is or what the flow is to experience it more profoundly. If anything, we need to be aware of those definitions and how they may limit how that flow can take in our lives. We only need to give ourselves the space, the breath, the opening to allow that flow to reveal itself to us and to carry us forward, to dive right into it. To close with a quote from Ernest Holmes, he says, we are all engaged in different activities which express our unique individualization, but it is the same God working in all of us. One power is working, one life is expressing, one energy is animating, one presence flowing through, and one law controlling each of us. So as we move into prayer, I invite you to create that space within yourself that home in your heart for the divine infinite flow to enter, to welcome it in, to ask yourself, what does this one power, this one life, this one energy, this one law have to tell me about my life right now? To be in this open space in the vastness of infinity and yet closer to God than ever before allowing this divine spirit to become transparent in our own consciousness, to become visible in our own life, to be the very presence that inspires our thoughts and our deeper levels of understanding. I know that within this flow, there is a momentum that is available to carry each and every one of us forward, individually and collectively. May we set the courageous example to let go of where we are and to give ourselves the respect and to give this flow the trust to know that it knows what it's doing. It may only know it in that very moment that it takes us, but it knows with that innate wisdom, that innate heart knowledge. And may we affirm together that this flow leads us into greater degrees of healing, greater levels of prosperity and abundance, to the deeper aspects of ourselves where we can breathe and embrace those we love and even those who challenge us in our hearts to know that we are big enough to do just that. So giving thanks for the transformation, giving thanks for the ahas, giving thanks for the epiphany that is the realization of life itself 
in, through, and as each one of us. We let it create. We let it move us forward. And so it is. Amen.